You're listening to On Point, and my name is David Peck, and we are going to continue our conversation that uh, I hope you're you're not hearing uh, everywhere because this is kind of the conversation right now, isn't it? We're talking about uh, it's it's difficult, it's uh, somber, it's a somber mood right now with with some of these shootings that have occurred uh, here in, in the city, but also uh, the, the the horrible, horrific crimes in Saskatchewan and the Queen's death, of course, as well. But what we uh, are going to do now is we're going to kind of zero in, I hope, on maybe. And I don't want to use this just as a trade catchphrase, but lessons learned. And Michael Kempa is here with us uh, tonight, a criminologist. He's a criminologist at the University of Ottawa, and he focuses on the politics of community safety and policing. A much needed job, it seems to be. Michael, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. So, so hmm, can I ask you how you define community safety? Well, it means it's really a catch-all phrase that means so many different things to different groups. For me, it's all about coordinating all of the agencies that make that contribution to public safety. So the Mm. police are obviously important. Mental health and ordinary health are very important. Education, housing, domestic violence institutions. You've got to sort of package them all together. And then critically, you've got to coordinate them in the public interest. So get the good protocols in place for sharing information, for making sure that we've got the right people responding to the right kinds of calls. That's what it means to me. Unfortunately, typically when you ask any one of these organizations, their vision for community safety typically puts their institution at the center of it. So if you ask the police, they'll say, well, we drive it. If you ask health, they'll say, well, we should drive it and so forth. And that's unfortunate. But institutional competition is pretty normal. Institutional competition, that's an interesting phrase. So, so and, and are you saying it's normal but not helpful because it, it shines the light in the wrong area? Is that kind of where you're going with that, Michael? Or you're saying it's, it's, it's about the lack of uh, integration and, and, and the both-and sort of approach? It's, it's a little bit of both. And that was so when we go to the Nova Scotia case, the Porta Peak massacres, This and the ongoing Mass Casualties Commission looking into it, this is their main message, was that the RCMP was not properly cooperating with other policing organizations and other safety institutions in that community um, to keep an eye on somebody who was basically known to police as being a a potential problem over time. And that also led to an inadequate response once the shooting started. They didn't warn the public properly. They used Twitter rather than an emergency alert that comes and buzzes everybody's phone. It was a disaster, literally speaking. Mm. So where we get muddled up into competing with one another, we start misdirecting our conversation and say, well, who should do it? Who should be the leader in this process? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a leader. You just define a network And then on some issues, the police take the lead. On other issues, mental health takes the lead. And who takes the lead is decided on the basis of evidence to show what works. I mean, I often find myself when I'm describing these things to people, just how simple it actually is. And we've got Hmm. examples in across Canada, including in Saskatchewan itself, in the north part of Saskatchewan, where we've been doing these things for quite a long time, very effectively in small communities. We so far have had a hard time scaling it up into uh, the bigger cities and across Canada and rural communities. 
Would, M- Michael, I've got so many questions, and thank you so much for joining us uh, again on the show tonight. Would you would you say it's rooted in relationship? Is that is that uh, a fair statement? I mean, in these smaller communities, I imagine, you know, I remember as a kid living in, and maybe I've mentioned this already, but uh, one one of the chiefs way back when decided that police officers should be walking the beat again. And so I'd be going down this residential street on my skateboard and there'd be two police officers walking by and it felt funny. It felt odd. And yet I wonder, uh, I mean, that's kind of at the core of this, isn't it? That, that there are real human beings attached to this, that this is rooted in, in community. I mean, is, is it fair to say that? It's absolutely fair to say that. And that is the entire theory of modern policing going back to its invention in 1829 by Sir Robert Peel. That's what it was meant to be all about. Unfortunately, we've never actually really achieved that Mm. because just the structure of our laws makes it very hard for the police to work in partnership with the community. So, for example, if you want to prevent crime, you basically have to maintain surveillance or an unremitting watch over collective goings on. So we're obviously not very comfortable in a democracy with having our police watching not only public space, but private space and what we're right. doing in our cars and homes and so forth. So they've tried to square that circle by trying different ways to be proactive. So first, they tried responding as fast as they could to calls for service to try to prevent crime. And you, you could just never get there fast enough to be an effective deterrent. Then they tried using uh, enforcing all the laws in a kind of a zero tolerance policy the theory being that if you stop the small crimes, you would prevent the big crimes. Well, we right. didn't like that. We said we don't like the police cracking down on everybody, and it tends to be then youth and racialized groups, right. other sure. less powerful. So we, we said, can't do that. So then the police said, okay, well, let's try reaching out into the community and collecting all kinds of information about citizens and putting it in a database. And, you know, this is called street checks or what later came to be known as carding. And we said, no, 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 we don't like that either. Because, you know, you're the police. You don't have a right to stop citizens if they're not under suspicion of having committed a specific crime. Nobody has to talk to a police officer in a free society. So unfortunately, you try a number of ways to put it together, and the police by themselves just can't do it because there's too many legal limitations, probably proper limitations, in a democracy. But then you start saying, what about all these other actors in the community that can do that work? health Mm. institutions, schools, they have all kinds of information. And if something is going wrong with somebody or a group of people, they can then start involving the police in partnership to deal with those risky situations, groups and individuals. So we've we've tried a number of ways to do that Peelian, Robert Peelian vision of policing. And we keep having trouble because the law makes it so difficult. Yeah, it's so ironic. Talk about a paradox and a contradiction. Um, la- last question for for tonight, I'm afraid, Michael. But w- what what happens, you know, when I read that lessons from Nova Scotia killing spree helped the RCMP respond to the Saskatchewan stabbings? I mean, what when lessons are learned, are they kind of applied across the board, or is it truly case by case? The basic lessons have been learned. How do you respond? alert people properly, and cooperate with the other police organizations in the province. Well, they've learned those lessons, thankfully, from Nova Scotia Mm, in in Saskatchewan. But the hard part is all of that prevention work. The RCMP has spread so thin across the country. You know, if you're in a remote community in the north of Saskatchewan and you call the police, they're likely to arrive in about an hour. 
They don't have enough officers to do all of that prevention cooperation work with the other agencies, indigenous institutions, education, and so forth. The lessons learned there is to say you've got to take a paramilitary organization, the RCMP, and either turn it into a very effective community policing body across the country, or you start getting into those debates of, hmm, maybe the RCMP shouldn't be doing it everywhere. Mm, maybe there right. should be some more independent police agencies or some combination of these things. It'd be fascinating to know, too, and maybe this is, well, it is for another time. We have to cut the break now. But but what, what are some of the things that are being done at police? Can I, is it called police college? As, as police officers, are, they go deeper and they um, you know study crime and so on and responses to it. You know, what, what are some of those... Um, I don't know. What are the tools in the toolbox? But we'll have to leave that for another time. Thanks for the insight, Michael. Thank you so much for for joining us. Michael Kempa, he's a criminologist at the University of Ottawa. He focuses on the politics of community safety and policing. Thanks for joining us tonight, Michael. Always. Thank you. You're listening to On Point, and my name is David Peck.